0: Good evening. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. In sports and various athletic competitions, there is a motivational phrase finishing strong not just show up not just finish finishing strong I heard that phrase a few times in the recent winter Olympics here is a powerful biblical picture we've just read in 2nd Timothy 4 6 through 8 of finishing strong these were the dying words of the Apostle Paul and I want us to consider this evening Paul's resignation his reflection back over his life as a Christian and his reward first there is his resignation I am already being poured out as a drink offering And the time of my departure has come. In the New King James is at hand. The Old Testament passages that describe the worship of the Jews during the time of their national existence with priests and Levites. There was something called the drink offering that was poured out beside the altar and considered finished. At that pouring Paul's life was now about to be offered or sacrificed and he had a clear view of that end and he was resigned to this in the best way that one can be resigned to anything with a composure only Christians can enjoy about death Paul said he was ready I am now ready to be offered." He said, already being poured out. Let it be noted that earlier in his life he was not certain about which way to go, stay on the earth to serve the Lord and serve his people and bring the lost to the gospel or to go on and be with the Lord. What I'm talking about is Philippians 1.23 Where in some translations it says Paul said he was in a dilemma or a strait between life and death. He thought about, he contemplated the alternatives and he didn't know exactly what to desire. And then he resolved that by saying he wanted to be with Christ eventually. His dilemma was, stay here and serve the Lord and serve his people or pass on and be with the Lord. Paul had thoughts about that and he eventually said it's far better to be with Christ. But now at this point in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 through 8... There is no dilemma. He knows the end is near. He knows death is soon to occur, and he's ready. He's resigned in a better sort of way than one could be resigned about anything. It it might be said he was packed and ready to go on this journey. It would raise this question for each one of us. Are you ready? Am I ready? It will be healthy spiritually to inquire. What are your thoughts about death? What are my thoughts about death? Not death as a general subject, but your death, my death. If you learned that you would die next week, what would your words be today? And what would you do and who would you want to see and how would you pray and what unfinished business would you attend to that maybe you've left undone? What conflicts would you seek to resolve quickly and righteously? We ought to learn from Paul's life and Paul's teaching that was from God that we can, by faith in Christ, be as ready for death as he was. We can have this resigned, peaceful disposition when we find that we are near the end. And we ought to have that resignation about death even now, even though we may not anticipate that we are near. There is reflection on the part of Paul as he looked back over his life as a Christian I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith he's looking back over his life with Christ look back over your life and I should look back over mine just from this point even though we may not anticipate that death is near And what do we see when we look back from the time of our baptism until now? What have I done with my life post baptism? What have you done with your life? What reflections do we want to cherish before we die? What changes do we need to make urgently? Here's one way to look at all that. Determine what you want your reflections to be near the end and then change your present course in life to fit those righteous anticipated reflections near the end if those reflections that you anticipate are in keeping with God's will. At the end of the road when you look back what do you think your mind will be focused on? Do you think you'll reflect on how much money you made? How many places you have visited? How many people you know? How many friends you have on social media? Or how many arguments you have won? What will matter? What mattered to Paul? What were the objects of his cherished reflections in his life with Christ. He uses three metaphors, three images. As a soldier, he took confidence in his militant stand for truth and right against sin and error. And so he said it had been a good fight. I tell you, there are a lot of bad fights going on but Paul said it had been a good fight. He makes no apologies for his engagements in the battle between right and wrong. He had used the Word of God to take Satan and his armies to task and there was not for Paul any PTSD. He had joined with other soldiers of Christ to fight against error These were the dying words of a soldier leaving active duty. I have fought the good fight. As an athlete, he had finished the race. Now what does a race require? It required the energy of faith, the motivation of hope, And the endurance that Christ supplies to his faithful servants. A race requires the energy of faith, the motivation of hope, and the endurance Christ supplies to his faithful servants. One of the saddest scenes on earth is to see a Christian run faithfully for a while, only to quit, to fall by the wayside, to fade away to take a different direction away from God. Paul had finished the course and could now anticipate the crown of victory at the finish line, finishing strong. So as a soldier, as an athlete, then as a steward, he had kept the faith. That's the language of stewardship. When something is given to you that you need to keep faithfully. So Paul had received a charge from the Lord and he had kept that charge. The work had cost him his status in his old religious background with the Pharisees. His work had inflicted pain, but he did not abandon the faith. So his reflection included these thoughts of his life as a Christian, as a soldier, as an athlete, and a faithful steward. We need to consider that though we do not function as apostles, the New Testament teaches that we are to be soldiers on active duty, we are to run the race, and we are to keep the charge that God has given to us. I'm going to read three passages that highlight these three images. As soldiers Ephesians 6 10 through 18. As soldiers Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6 10 through 18. and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We are not apostles, but we're to be soldiers in the Lord's army. What about runners? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are not apostles, but we're to be soldiers. We're to be runners in this race that is set before us. And then we're to be stewards. First Peter 4, 10 and 11. First Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11. and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are not apostles, but we're to be soldiers and runners and stewards under a charge from God. When your life draws to a close, if you are granted opportunity to reflect, what will be the substance of that reflection? Will we be able to say, I wore the whole armor of God, I finished the race, and I'm now reflecting on faithful stewardship, giving God all the glory. Paul's reflection, I hope, will be mine and will be yours if we are given the opportunity to review our lives. Maybe that review ought to be a preview now. Third. Paul's statement shows the concept of reward. He speaks of the crown of righteousness. Now this is not reward in the sense of wages received for work done. This is reward that is based on the generosity of God, the mercy of God. The grace of God needs to be central in all our thoughts about final Reward because it is central to the entire New Testament. Whoever we are, we come into the kingdom with tainted past lives at the mercy of God and dependent on the cross of Christ. We come as sinners. Even after being baptized into Christ, we have no claim that we get up every day and measure up. So all thoughts... anticipated reward the crown of righteousness need to acknowledge the amazing grace of God here in the case of Paul when he says there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness there's no claim of merit on the part of Paul he doesn't say I earned it I did it all by myself no with all he did so well He was forever aware of resting on the mercy of God. Note this. When Paul was tempted and tried, was his strength under trial self-generated? A few verses after our text, notice this in verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully. Or in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul came into the kingdom from a sinful past like all of us. And during the time of his sojourn, he was completely dependent on the grace of God. And he was responsive to that grace by his obedience. And now, without any doubt, as he spoke of this great reward... There was no thought or claim of personal merit. The crown of righteousness was given. Look at verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. There's not a period there. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This crown, not earned but given. And Paul indicates this was not some sort of exclusive claim for an apostle. He says, not to me only, but also to all who've loved his appearing. The reward of grace, the crown of righteousness to all. To all ...who have loved his appearing. Love as God has defined it. The emperor of Rome had pronounced a death sentence against Paul. But there was something of higher significance on Paul's mind. The ruler of heaven and earth had pronounced upon him the victor's crown of righteousness... Perhaps his enemies thought he would spend his last few moments in despair, but instead he lifted up his eyes in joy and hope. He wrote this in Titus 1 verse 2. There is the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That overrides any decree of men for punishment and execution. So what do you anticipate when this life is over? Given your present response to God, your relationship through Jesus Christ, the conduct of your life, the formation of your thoughts and deeds and attitudes, your spiritual growth and discipleship, helping others and being helped by others, what do you think is ahead? What will your mood or spirit or composure be if you have opportunity to entertain last thoughts before you pass? Paul said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, observe again the result of one's participation in the grace of God. Is not limited to the Apostle Paul, to all who have loved his appearing. What does it mean to love his appearing? I'm going to finish there. What does it mean to love his appearing? It is that hope that is generated by the activity of faith in Christ, it is that love for him that seeks to be with him in the greatest and highest sense, even if tonight or tomorrow. It is that assurance that this earth is not all there is, that heaven will be a real home forever for God's people, to all who have loved his appearing. If there is some public expression of your faith that's called for at this time, we invite you to come while we stand to sing.